This podcast is brought to you by Proton Dealership IT, the cybersecurity and IT experts committed to keeping your dealership safe from cyber attacks. To learn more about how to better protect your dealership, go to info.protontex.com fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, October 30th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, UAW news has been coming fast and furious over the weekend and into today. The union now has tentative agreements with all Detroit three automakers. The days of low wage, unstable jobs at the big three are coming to an end and 0% financing drops sharply following a pandemic peak. Plus, we'll look deeper into the UAW's deal with Stellantis and what the new tentative agreement will mean for workers and the prospects for ratification. You know, so many different viewpoints on the picket line when you're out there. It's gonna be interesting to see if they can all come together on this. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors and the UAW have reached a tentative contract agreement. It comes more than six weeks after the union began its strike against the Detroit Three and two days after the union expanded the walkout to a fourth GM assembly plant. A person familiar with the talks confirmed the agreement to Automotive News. Several news outlets also reported the development. There was no immediate comment from the UAW and General Motors declined to comment. In a surprise move over the weekend, the UAW added Local 1853 to the strike. That local represents workers at GM's manufacturing complex in Spring Hill, Tennessee, one of GM's largest. GM was the last of the three automakers to agree to terms with the union, which stopped picketing Ford late Wednesday and Stellantis on Saturday afternoon. The deal is subject to ratification by GM's 46,000 UAW members. As of noon today, the strike continued near GM's Lansing Delta Township assembly plant in Michigan, which has been on strike since September 29th. UAW Local 602 President Mike Huerta said he was awaiting word about whether the strike will end and for details of the agreement. As Jamie just said, the UAW has also ended its strike against Stellantis. It reached a tentative labor contract agreement that includes a 25% raise for workers over the life of the pact a commitment to revive the idled Belvedere assembly plan in Illinois, and nearly $19 billion in new U.S. investments. UAW President Sean Fain announced the deal on Saturday during a Facebook live stream. Through the power of the stand-up strike, we have won a record-breaking contract. We truly believe that we got every penny possible out of this company. We left nothing on the table. The UAW said roughly 14,000 striking workers will return to the job. That's as the tentative contract goes to a vote of Stellantis union leaders on Thursday in Detroit, followed by the rank-and-file members. Stellantis also reached a tentative agreement with Canadian auto workers, represented by Unifor, over the weekend. That came after a seven-hour strike and a final weekend of intensive contract talks in Canada. Details of that deal haven't been released 
but the union was working on a contract pattern after those reached at Ford of Canada and General Motors Canada. The National UAW Ford Council approved its tentative agreement on Sunday, sending it to members for ratification votes in the coming weeks. Applause could be heard outside of the Union Hall at multiple points during the five-hour gathering. UAW's tentative agreement with Ford calls for the automaker to invest more than $8 billion in manufacturing projects, including $1.2 billion in Louisville, Kentucky, for assembly of a new electric vehicle. The deal also puts an EV battery plant Ford is building in Marshall, Michigan, and an EV campus under construction in Tennessee under the national contract. UAW Local 882 President Mark Emmerich told Automotive News that, quote, the likelihood of it getting ratified is strong. Local 882 covers workers at Ford's Atlanta Parts Depot. And after an unprecedented increase during the pandemic, 0% financing deals have all but disappeared from the market. The share of all loans financed at 0% hit a new low in the third quarter of 2023 at just 1.1%. According to Edmonds, that's down dramatically from a peak in the second quarter of 2020 above 24%. In the three years before the pandemic, just over 7% of financing was at 0%. And those are today's headlines. All right, Jamie, so we finally see the light at the end of the tunnel with these UAW contract negotiations. Now, with the little information we know about the numbers of these deals and automakers not making real profits yet with the push to EVs, in short term, do you think the Detroit 3 can afford these contracts? In the short term, they can they can afford them. They can get by with them and the extra costs. It is going to be interesting to see the ripple effects, right? Will it cause Toyota and Honda and Tesla to raise their own labor rates to make sure they can hire people and keep them from unionizing? If it does, then maybe everybody raises prices of vehicles across the board, kind of adds to the affordability problem the industry is facing. But, you know, without that, it's going to put the Detroit Three at a at a big disadvantage. You know they've been making a lot of money during the pandemic when supply was tight. Uh, we're starting to see profits come back down, and now with these extra costs, it could get tough. It could get tough for them. They might stay profitable, but not make enough money to really reinvest as aggressively as they'd want and as the UAW would want them to. So it's it's going to be interesting. That is very, very interesting. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk more about how a tentative deal with the UAW came together for Stellantis and what it will mean for the automaker going forward. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. 
I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Email phishing happens every day. Cyber criminals are out to trick your employees and coworkers into handing over valuable information that can compromise your dealership through impersonations, fake giveaways, and urgent emergency requests. All it takes is one click to shut down everything. Phishing is the leading cybersecurity concern for dealerships. Without the proper training and protection, your business is left vulnerable to ever-evolving attacks. One day you click an email, and the next thing you know, you get a call from your IT guy. Your email has been compromised, shut down immediately. Stories of attacks and their consequences come flooding in every day, and all it takes is one click to shut down your dealership. You have enough to worry about as it is. Don't add getting hacked to the list. Let Proton Dealership IT help ensure you are fully protected and learn how at info.protontext.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The UAW now has tentative contracts with General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, and each one represents historic gains for the union. The deal with Stellantis especially marks both a long-term and immediate turning point. The automaker was the only one with a major plant shuttered and in limbo, and it had other facilities on the chopping block. Now the UAW says it has saved all of those sites, representing a remarkable win for the union and thousands of workers. Vince Bond Jr. covers Stellantis for us at Automotive News. He and I talked about the new tentative agreement and what it means. I reached him at his home office in Saginaw, Michigan. Vince Bond Jr., welcome back to Daily Drive. Thank you for having me. You know, going into these talks, you know, a lot of people really saw Stellantis as probably the the most contentious, the toughest one of the Detroit Three. Uh, maybe the one that would have a strike that would go on the longest. You know, you've got new ownership. Carlos Tavares is known to be a very tough negotiator. There were some harsh words, uh, some some tough social media uh, commentary about uh, Mark Stewart. And, you know, and of course, a lot of hurt feelings over the uh, Belvedere plant in Illinois being idled. Uh, but here they were able to hammer out a deal. How, how'd they pull it off? Well, just a, a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights. But uh, I think the union came out pretty strong here uh, with the return of the Belvedere plant that's being revived. It's going to be a huge source of jobs that were lost. And the thing about Belvedere is that uh, back in February when it was idled, there were about 1,200 workers that were laid off. But over the previous years, that plant has had as many as 5,000 workers. And those mm -hmm. people have been scattered across the country, you know. Mm -hmm out in New York and other places at different uh, park centers and other facilities. And so that's a huge gain, especially with a new product, a new mid-sized pickup that has been rumored for a long time. I've heard about it, but this is like really the first confirmation that it's, that it's on the way. So that's huge. And then of course, you know, the 25% raises, uh, it's not quite the target they are going for, but I mean, that's, that's pretty hefty in, in this era, especially with inflation. And then, of course, COLA, that's a big one that, that I've heard about on the picket line. Uh, that was probably one of the main top two or three, you know, things they wanted. And so they came out with that. And uh, I mean, six weeks on the, on the picket line, I think it was worth it. 
Yeah, at least six weeks for Toledo and uh, <clears throat> maybe, I guess, five weeks for the the parts depots. Yes. Uh, but it started off really rough. And I mean, of course, the union was taking a strong position. Sean Fain was taking maybe a bit of an extreme ask uh, with all three automakers to try to get them to something, you know, really sizable and historic with like where they ended up. Um, but the vitriol for Stellantis was maybe the worst, right? I mean, it's the one that he he that Sean Fain threw in the trash on the live video. Yes, yes. And then at one point, I mean, uh, Mark Stewart had a a last minute uh, press conference with us on a on a Saturday morning out of nowhere, and just saying that uh, some of the things they've been saying is you know, from the UAW has been misleading, and uh, he thought he had to correct the record on some issues. And then of course they said they were outraged. When uh, Sterling Heights Assembly went down and that plant builds the, the profitable Ram 1500. And so they've been going back and forth and trying to get a deal done. And they finally did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Belvedere, you mentioned um, there's going to do battery production and you talked about the, uh, the midsize truck. Is that going to be an electric pickup? Yes. So I spoke with uh, the former Ram CEO at the New York Auto Show uh, this year. And uh, he was telling me that uh, it could be electrified and there's also an option for, you know, an ICE version. And so earlier in, uh, in Vegas this year, I believe in March, they showed dealers a, a midsize uh, pickup concept that was a, an EV. But apparently there is some versatility there and we may see, you know, across the range, you know, different, pro- different powertrains, uh, depending on the region that is it's offered. So it could be electric, it could be hybrid, it could be regular ice. Yes, that's what I've that's okay. what I've heard. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, the union also looked like it kind of got a win at a couple other facilities. At least, you know, early on, Stellantis identified a, a whole lot of properties that they maybe wanted the the right to close or the opportunity to close if need be. Um, Mentioned including the headquarters and the, yes. and the tech center, uh, any place that had UAW folks they had to put on the list. Uh, but the union really said that Stellantis was going after the Trenton engine facility and the Toledo machining plant uh, um, in Michigan and in Ohio, um, and that those would cost 5,000 jobs if they got closed. Uh, how big of a win was that for the UAW? How big of a concession for Stellantis? Well, whenever you can save jobs, I mean, that's a huge win. That's why the union is here. And now Slantis needs to figure out how they're going to uh, balance the budget, you know, with these plants uh, still still in operation. And so it's going to be a tough task right now. Uh, you know, Carlos Tavares is trying to save money with EVs and he was trying to find savings anywhere he could. But now these plants are still going to be here. So uh, what's plan B? You have to figure out how you're going to make this work. You know, sometimes I wonder... You know, sort of like how the 40% raises and the four-day work week uh, and return of defined benefit pension, some of these extreme asks that are probably non-starters, but you put out there and say, hey, I really wish we could have this. And it's something you can give back to get a little something else. You know, maybe Stellantis said they wanted to close those facilities, but maybe also thought they might need them. And this was a way to uh, have a little give and take. Yes, very true. Very true. Could have been. We'll never know. It'd be hard to know. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I think UPS had a, a huge uh, impact on their thinking as well, you know, especially with that $40 number. A lot of folks are talking about that. And uh looks like they're going to get that for the top the top wage. It's such a 
it's such an important threshold and, you know, a great win for assembly plant workers, but wow, such a bigger jump for the, the parts depot workers and the temps that are going to get made full time and then rise up to above $40 an hour by the end of the contract. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was just say, have you, have you talked to some of those folks? What are you hearing from those people? They must be super enthusiastic. Uh, yeah, just over the last month or so, I've been on, uh, on the line at several, uh, Part centers. One of the huge things was tears, and apparently those are on the way out in this deal. And uh, of course, a couple of years ago, maybe you didn't think that could happen, but here we go. And so, yeah, they're seeing some huge uh, percentages as far as their gains at these part centers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, well, I mean, I'll, it'll be interesting to see in the long term because you know, a couple of contracts ago, they kind of said that they ended the tears. Uh, by saying there wasn't going to be a, a different high end, a different top end for new, new hires. Uh, but then the union's like, well, really the temps are a separate tier and the parts depots are a separate tier and the grow in periods a separate tier. So it'll be interesting if they feel like, well, there's still some inequities we want to address, you know, when 2027 rolls around 2028. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's still room for growth. So we'll see what happens next time. So what's the sense on ratification? Of course, you know, it's it's never guaranteed, but this did seem like a strong, you know, a, a contract that satisfied a lot of the uh, wishes. And of course, you've got these big voting blocks, presumably from Belvedere and the, and the parts depots. Is, is this expected to get ratified easily? Um, so I've, uh, I've had very, heard varying opinions uh, on the picket line as far as what people want. Uh, the, one mm-hmm. of the big ones was wages, the wage increase. I've seen some people say the 23% that was on the table last week uh, was was okay. And then, of course, the land is bumped up to 25. And so I think those people will, they'll be fine with it. Of course, there are others who want it as much as, you know, $32 an hour. They'll have to make a concession, okay? Uh, maybe I don't get this wage, but there is some more job security in there I can look at. So it's just, you know, so many different viewpoints on the picket line when you're out there. It's going to be interesting to see if they can all come together on this, but. I expect it to pass. I think it's a pretty fair deal overall. Well, we'll see how it turns out. Is there any, um, let me ask one more. Do we know the timing of when the ratification votes are going to be, when they're going to release the highlights or have the tallies? Um, Last time I heard, uh, I believe Thursday, they're going to have a a meeting among the top officials. And then we'll probably hear more after that. So Thursday is when they meet to decide to approve and and send it to the members for ratification. So it's going to be several days before uh, the rest of us even see the details, probably. Yeah. But of course, I mean, you know, on social media, it'll probably leak out. So I will be patrolling Facebook and Twitter. We'll be watching for whatever you find on uh, the pages of Automotive News and the web pages of autonews.com. Thanks, Vince. No problem. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lindsey Van Hulley, Michael Martinez, and Paige Hodder for their reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from David Kennedy of our sibling publication, Automotive News Canada. You can get the latest news on labor contracts, finance and insurance, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 